Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. He shows us uh, the good things to come to encourage us, and, and that's certainly his heart, to always encourage us. He's not the kind of God that's going to browbeat you into, into submission. He patiently waits for you to respond out of worship. And, and, and there are other times where he will remind us of things or allow us to be reminded of, of our past, and that can be healthy because so often we can fall into those old patterns. We can fall into those old sins. If you've been a Christian long enough, you know that to be true in your own life. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ. In our lesson today, Pastor Rob begins chapter 2 in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses begins to summarize the desert years for the nation of Israel and how God led his people on a journey that would teach them how they should rely on God and God alone. As Christians, we too should always remember where we came from and how Jesus saved us from our desert years of wandering without a purpose and being lost in our sin. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that enabled us to be free. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. In this part of the book of Deuteronomy, you know, when we were looking at the outline, we're still in this portion in the very beginning. And this really begins from chapter 1 down through chapter 4, verse 43, where uh, Moses is basically just giving them a sermon. It's really a historical review of what is happening, or what has happened and uh, prior to them. Because this new generation is, on the, is right on the brink of going into the promised land, and, and it's been a long time. It's been 40 years, and time has been flying by, and perhaps not flying by enough for some of them. But there they are just waiting to go in, and Moses rehearses for them just the, the, the good and the bad. And, and sometimes the Lord does that, doesn't he? He, he, he shows us uh, the good things to come to encourage us, and, and that's certainly his heart, to always encourage us. He's not the kind of God that's going to browbeat you into, into submission. He patiently waits for you to respond out of worship. And, and, and there are other times where he will remind us of things or allow us to be reminded of, of our past, and that can be healthy because so often we can fall into those old patterns. We can fall into those old sins. If you've been a Christian long enough, you know that to be true in your own life. You know, you've, you've started off and you're doing well, and then all of a sudden there's something from your past that you thought you had conquered, that you had uh, under control, and now all of a sudden it comes back with a vengeance. And then you find yourself battling the same thing that you thought you had victory over. Maybe it's not as bad as it once was. Maybe it's just a little battle instead of a huge battle. But there's a battle nonetheless. And there you are. 
And But God is a good shepherd, and he always, his desire is to lead his people. And that's exactly what he's doing through Moses. And that's why it took them 40 years. God wasn't, uh, it didn't take them 40 years because it was a long distance. It was just a few weeks' journey, really, from the land of Egypt to the land of Canaan, the promised land. It's called the promised land because it was promised to them, to the Jewish people coming out of Egypt. It was promised to them, all of that land. And, and, and the borders are given to us, you know, all the way up and, you know, up by Dan and all, all over by the river Euphrates, all the way over to the Mediterranean Sea, all the way down to Beersheba and, 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 and other. And, and it, you know, there's even more than that. But he gives the borders. And he says, I'm going to take you into this land. This is yours. It's mine, and I give it to you. Remember that. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All things belong to God. There is nothing that exists that does not belong to God. Everything belongs to him. And he has a right to do with it what he chooses, what he pleases. And to me, that gives me great encouragement. Does it encourage you? As a Christian, it ought to encourage you because that means that everything that comes into our lives is ordained or purposely orchestrated by God. It's either his perfect will or his permissive will. There's no coincidences. And everything is designed to win us, to draw us, to conform us, to challenge us, to change us. All these things God does. You know, when we look at this picture up here on the, on the screen, you know, as I've been looking into this, I, I, I'm one of those diggers. I like to really find out things, and I do a lot of reading when I can, and I just love to read, and I love to examine things, and I love to consider things. And one of the things that um, is interesting as I've looked into this uh, journey of the, um, excuse me, of the Israelites is, is the fact, uh, oh, there we go. Okay, now I'm with the right picture here. All right, I'm ready now. So is, when you look at the, the proposed journey of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, traditionally, if you look up on the screen here, you can see it's, it's been from Goshen or Ramesses over here. And then we've always been told in books and, and everything that they started and they came down here, and then oh, down here is Mount Horeb. And then, or Mount Sinai, same thing. They're, they're synonymous, those terms, Horeb and Sinai. And then they claim that he, 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 they went up here, and then they went up to Kadesh Barnea, and then they circled around and came back, and then they went back again into the Promised Land. And then finally up here, they cross over from west to east into the Promised Land and, and battle Jericho for the very first time. And that's traditionally what has been taught about that. But there are also other views, and, and I think it's really interesting just to consider um, and, and it's really compelling, actually. And, uh, and, and that is this proposed route, when they came down here, that they got down here at the bottom, and then they went straight across this area right here. Uh, it's called the Strait of Tehran. And this strait right here is um, where, where they believed that the children of Israel crossed. And then they went over into Midian or into Saudi Arabia, and, and then went up here, and then right over here, they claim, is Mount Sinai. And then skirted along Mount Seir. This, this area right here, this mountain range right here is called Mount Seir. And, and then they came up here, and then they came back to Petra or Kadesh Barnea, and then they finally went back up and then went over into Jericho. Now, 
who knows what the, which of those two theories are, are really true. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons uh, that, there, you know, that, that there's, there's, there's these different viewpoints. And one thing I've come to understand, and this is something I want to encourage you in, in everything you study, everything you do, remember, and especially nowadays, especially for you young people who are in, in, going into college or if you've got children going into college, teach them how to research. Teach them how to research and understand why is there, why are so many scholars against this particular point of view? Why is that? Is there really a good reason? What is the itch? What is the thing that's keeping them from holding this view? Well, let me suggest to you, and again, I don't know which of these two views, but I just, I'm sharing this to you as a means of encouraging you to think about how you view things on the internet and how you view things in general. Always look for bias. Always look for what is their impetus for giving you this information? Are they being bought off? Are they being uh, influenced by uh, large companies, large organizations, large Christian organizations? And so you have to be have your eyes open, and you have to do some digging. Let me just end it there, because there's a lot of things I could say. But be careful about what you read and how you read. And, think, and, and what I try to do is is always look for bias. And, and it's a good thing to do, especially today with our news press. Um, look for more than one source. Spend a couple time, you know, some time looking through several sources and try to look for bias. Why is it that, why is it that the doctor is, why is it that the dentist is promoting this product? Not every dentist is like this. Not every doctor is like this. But why are they promoting this thing? Well, it could be that this organization is paying them a percentage of the proceeds to sell this product, whether whether it's decent or okay, you know, not so good. My point is always look for these kinds of things because in everything in life there is always this kind of stuff, and we have to be very careful because there's always that kind of thing. So anyway, enough of that. But just suffice it to say that there's a couple different views of this, and one is, more, I think, is becoming more compelling to me as I look into it. But just be open to it, because a lot of these names and places that you read in the Bible, they're not hard, they're not in cement. There's some reason for variability and why, you know, some of these names that we see don't exist and people don't really know where they are anymore. So you can make a pretty good guess, but that's about it, okay? And there's a couple good guesses, but um, anyway. So let's just go on. Let's read it. So in verse 1, the desert years, the, the caption is over. It says, Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me. And as we skirted Mount Seir for many days, and again, I showed you up here on the screen, this, this mountain range right here is Mount Seir, and that's in the land of Edom. And the Lord spoke to me, uh, verse 2, saying, You have skirted or you've circled around this mountain long enough. And that ought to remind you of something. Because in the very first chapter, if you just turn your page and look at verse 6, what did, what did the Lord say to Moses? The Lord your God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. <laughs> and now he's saying it again. There's a time to move, and there's a time to stay. And thankfully, God had his, he was the governor on their moving or staying. 
But he says, you've skirted around this mountain long enough. Turn northward. And so they go and, and, so, and command the people, saying, you are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Notice the warning in that. And I love how God says, you are about to pass through the territory of your brethren. Your brethren. Because if you remember, um, Isaac and Rebekah had children. And one of their, they had uh, two children, at least. And, and those two children were Jacob and Esau. Right? And Jacob, we know, the promise went to him. And Esau... Uh, the promise wasn't given to him of, of this of this particular land. But here's the thing that you have to remember. And if you, we're not going to go there tonight. But I'm going to give you a couple of verses that you might want to write down and, and look into. You know who Esau is. Esau is the brother of Jacob. They came out at the same time. They were twins or fraternal twins at the very least. The product of Isaac and Rebekah. Two sons came out at the same time. And Esau, when he came out, red and hairy all over, and that's why he got his name Esau, because that's what his name means, hairy. And his, his brother came out, and his name was Jacob, because as Esau was going out, he grabbed his heel. But we all know the historical event pertaining to that. But we know that these two were brothers, and you can look at Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 through 28. I would encourage you to do that, and also in Genesis chapter 36. Um, in fact, let, just for the, let's look at um, Genesis 36 really quick, and we're just going to look at a couple of things here really quick. We're going to look at verse 1, verse 8, and verse 19 of this chapter, because it says, Now this is the genealogy of Esau, who is Edom. So when you look up here, or when you look up at the screen, you will see, Actually, this is not the picture I wanted. You can see down here, actually, Edom, this is not the right photo <laughs> of the picture, but down here where my red, that red dot is, right below that is the land of Edom. That's where um, Esau and his descendants, they finally settled. And they not only settled there, but God gave them the land. He gave them the land. And I find that remarkable for a couple reasons. Number one was Esau the most, was he the nicest guy? No, he wasn't the nicest guy. Was he the, um, he was the favorite son of, of Isaac because he brought Isaac the, the, the meat that he liked. Did the promise go to Esau? No, the promise didn't go to Esau. Was Jacob always looked up to and kind of the favored? Yeah, he was. But I love the fact that even though this, Esau, you know, Esau have I loved, or Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. We've, we've read that verse before, and really what it is is Esau, or Jacob I've loved, my love for him is greater. It's not that he hated Esau, but his love for Jacob was so much greater. But even in spite of that, even though God had not promised the land of Canaan and all that land, and through his line, Jacob's line would come the Messiah. Even though those promises were to Jacob, he looks at Esau and he says, you know what, I love you too. You know, it's so easy to get thinking about the, the, the enemies of God. You know, those who would turn their back on God's program, who would, you know, put their hand in the face of God and say, I don't need you. In fact, Esau, when 
after the birthright was sold, remember what Esau did in spite of his father, to spite him actually, he went and had um, wives from, for, from the Canaanites. He did that on purpose. And so here you have a rebellious son, and yet God says, you know what, I'm going to make sure that, I'm gonna pro- I promised you some things too. It's not that it's all going to your brother. I love you too, and I care about your life. And I know, I know everything about you, and I still love you, and I'm still going to bless you. And he did. He blessed him. You know, in verse uh, 1 of chapter 36, it says, Now this is the genealogy of Esau, who was Edom. And then down in verse 8, it says, So Esau dwelt in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. Esau is Edom. And then finally, in verse 19, he says the same thing. These were the sons of Esau, who is Edom, and these were their chiefs. And so they were um, very important men, and they were given a land, and God doesn't renege on giving them that land. And I love what he says here. He says, God tells them specifically to be careful. They're going to be afraid of you when you come in, when you come into their land. They're going to be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Watch yourselves carefully. So you know, God, like a good shepherd, is telling them in advance so they won't provoke them. And I, and I like that, too. He is. He's a good shepherd. He's leading them through. But stay away from your brothers, because when they see the mass of you coming, their war is going to be on their mind. They're going to be thinking that you're there for war. But leave them alone. He says in verse 5, Do not meddle with them, for I have... I have not given you any of their land. No, not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. And I love that too. You know, many think that God doesn't care for any other people group. You know, we spend so much time talking about the Jewish people, and we should. They are the promise. You know, they are the God's people, and so are we, actually. But God created all human beings, and he loves all human beings. And I love the fact that God makes sure that they stay away from these people because God had a plan for them too. We have to remember that. Sometimes I can be so self-centered in my Christianity. I, I only think of Israel. I only think of Christians. And who cares about anybody else? Do you ever get that feeling? Have you ever felt that way? It's us against them, right? And God is saying, no, it's not you against them. I love them. You've got to go out and tell them the good news. You've got to tell them that I love them, Right? But so often we can be so bigoted. I find I, myself, I can be that way. But God is not a respecter of persons, and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, and that includes the, this people group as well. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, let me read this to you. Jesus said this, and it's in relation to what we just read. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son, notice this, he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. I have to remember that sometimes. You know, it's like even, you know, when I think of Pastor Jeff and Linda right now, you know, and other Christians that we know in that area, you know, they're, they're going through a tough, they, they, I mean, it could be a lot worse, and there's no doubt, but they lost their power. God causes these things to happen to the just and the unjust, you know. We're, we're, he's no respecter of persons. He's got a plan in all of it. He's got, his, he's got a plan in the whirlwind. That's what the prophet says. God has his way in the whirlwind. 
And that could be applied many different ways. But Jesus said, For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so, as they go through Edom, the very thing that they feared happens. In Numbers chapter 20, uh, you might as well go there. Let's look at verse 14. Because they, they go into the land of Edom. They, they just want to pass through. But as you know, they are going to be met with resistance. Their brethren are going to come out after them. Numbers chapter 20, just start in verse 14, just down through 21. It says, Now Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the land of Edom. Thus says your brother Israel, you know all the hardship that has befallen us, how our fathers went down to Egypt and how we dwelt in Egypt a long time, and the Egyptians afflicted us and our fathers. And when we cried out to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent the angel and brought us up out of the land of Egypt. Now here we are in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your border. And here's the request. Please let us pass through your country. We will not pass through fields or vineyards, nor will we drink water from wells, because in that area of the country or in that area of the world it's very arid, very dry. Water and, 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 and things to eat are very, very prized commodities. He says, We won't eat we won't drink your water, we won't you know take it, we won't go through your vineyards, we will go along the king's highway, and we will not turn aside to the right hand or to the left until we have passed through your territory. And then Edom said to him, You shall not pass through my land, lest I come out against you with the sword. So the children of Israel said to him, We will go by the highway, and if I or my livestock drink any of your water, then I will pay for it. Let me only pass through on foot, nothing more. And then he said, You shall not pass through. So Edom came out against them with many men and with a strong hand. And thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through its territory. And so Israel turned away from him. You know, and I, I think of these two chapters, and, and, and I almost had a, a name for them. The ends don't justify the means. Meaning that God's plan was to get them from one place to another. And the means would just be, go through and just, anybody gets in your way, just tear them apart. <laughs> just get the bulldozer out and tear them apart. But I love it how God says, you know, even though I've got a plan and I'm I'm taking you through this, I want you to be careful of your brothers over here. So careful. God is so delicate like that, and I love that about him. Don't you love that about him? He cares about people, and he cares about people that are different than you. He cares about people that are different from your faith, that our faith. Granted, there is only one way to God. We know that. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no disputing that, but how we need to have a sensitive and care, careful heart and a loving heart toward those who aren't like us. We don't have to condone their behavior. We don't have to condone their wrong teaching. We can just simply love them. More is done, more is won by love than through a sword. Amen? More is won through love than by words, and I'm learning that. So, verse 6, You shall buy food from them with money that you may eat, and you shall buy water from them with money that you may drink. So, in other words, pay for it. How equitable is God? He is very equitable, and he's fair. Actually, God is not always fair, but he's just. 
Have you ever noticed that? God is not fair, but he's just. Is it fair for God to choose one man, Jacob, over Esau? Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until the same time on Monday, this has been Truth in Christ.